what we're going to be talking about today is how to burn it down, out with the old, in with the new. And this is such a great topic when we're thinking about how we look at this challenging market that we, we're in. Things that we've been doing that's been our common practices, how do we turn that around and burn it down and rebuild it, and make something new, something fresh, look at it in a different way. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today and uh, how coaching plays into that and the concepts of it. So we've got two amazing guest speakers and hosts with us today. Uh, this is Caprice Gunn and Mike Koch. Uh, Caprice and each of them are going to talk a little bit about themselves in just a moment. But uh, Caprice is a master coach. She's a trainer. She creates a lot of content. She writes programs. Her brain is amazing how she thinks in granular and detail. She keeps me on track in these conversations too. She's like, well, wait a minute. We need to kind of get some stuff delivered here. Let's, let's talk about that. So she's been 10 years uh, uh, as an experienced team leader and CEO to, of a uh, successful Keller Williams franchise. And she's recently turned her full attention into coaching and training and building businesses and leading, leading leaders into development and servicing the professional world in real estate. Uh, when she's not doing that, she's having a nice cup of chai tea. I'm going to guess that's what that is. Exactly. Uh, chai tea. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, and she loves going out on family adventures, uh, uh, devised for an SUV. So she's risky. She's on the edge. She likes to turn things over. I love how she's thinking here already. So or I'm um, taking a lot of people with me. <laughs> that's really you know, kind of They go on, on the roll with yeah. you. Absolutely. And throwing a paradise, I'm going to leave that up to your imagination, what that really looks like. And uh, she loves to have dinner and eat out and enjoy the luxury of life. Caprice, with that, before I introduce Mike, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Paul. Uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here, everybody. I, I am currently a co-team lead of a real estate team of um, 15 in Utah. That's where I live, Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, I've been coaching uh, with Workman uh, between four and five years now and coaching overall for seven. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to an interaction and conversation with you all today. Thanks, Paul. Ah, it's good to have you here, Caprice. And we look forward to hearing all about you. And with her is the amazing Mike Koch. He too, he's a broker owner uh, from Terra Firma Realty in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, Mike is another like get it done practical sort of guy. He, he comes out of the military world. That's sort of the basis of, of how he stands. You can tell by the hair is that he comes from that military world. And so when you ask Mike about how things are going to get done, he devises a plan, he creates action around it, and he moves it forward strategically. And, it, and at times I'd have to say as a witness effortlessly. And I know that that's not necessarily true, but that's how it shows up. So he's a team leader of the uh, Mike Koch team. Uh, he's consistently ranked in the top half of the 1% of their entire MLS. That's the power of the Mike Koch team. Mike is also a master coach at Workman. It's a pleasure to work with him here. Uh, he is great fit for this session here because he's personally coaches the number one and number two finishers in the 120-day listing challenge. Now that might start a fight somewhere and if it does, we're going to take that all offline, but just in case. So 120-day listing challenge. And he coaches multiple teams who have listing partners that each produce in excess of 90 sold listings per year. And imagine if your business looked like that. So welcome, Mike. Uh, it's good to have you here on the call and participating today as we talk about burning it down. 
why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit more about Mike Koch and Terra Firma? Yeah, so thanks for having me here, Paul. It's great to be here with you and Comprise. And I see we have a lot of great attendees here. Um, many people from the Workman Success family, uh, coaching clients as well as other coaches. So we've got a great audience here today. Uh, just a little bit of background on myself. I've been in real estate since 2001, started in the land development business until the crash of 2008. And then in 2010, we opened up our own real estate brokerage called Terra Firma Realty. And uh, all we do is brokers now, we're not really doing much development. Although when we talk about um, burning things down and starting from a new development is certainly an opportunity for us. And so we're, uh, we'll be exploring that a little bit more. But uh, I've been with Workman since um, 2016. And uh, at the time, we were a, a small team of four and uh, doing about $375,000 at GCI. And I've uh, been coaching with Workman since then. And uh, since that time, we've quadrupled almost 5x um, our team, our production. And um, if we hit our goals or when we hit our goals this year, we'll have about a 6x growth um, during that time. But uh, I attribute a lot of that to Workman, the systems, the coaching but uh, also, I've been a coach with Workman since 2017, and I'm currently a uh, master coach and have the privilege of coaching other wonderful team leaders and teams around, uh, around the country. Well, that, you know, I didn't realize that. My, that's phenomenal growth, that 6x growth in, in, what, 12 years? You know, that's, that's actually from 2008, essentially. And so uh, leading into this conversation for today is, is when you talk about burning it down, you've actually burned it down before. If any of us went through that transition, you know, in 2007, 2008, 2009, we, we burned a lot of a lot of stuff down during that period of time to rebuild to kind of get to where we are today. And there's a lot of opportunity to continue to do that in our business over and over and over. So as we jump into this slide, and it's good to have you here, I'm going to share my screen and, and start this slide deck. Now, guys, forgive me a little bit on my technology. I'm not always the smoothest with it. Those of you who know that, know me or know that. So uh, I'm going to share... I'm going to do it from slideshow. Look at that. I got it there that quick. So burning it down. Here's our host today. Taylor, you're going to have to help me because there it is. So what does it mean uh, to burn it down when we think about the idea in real estate of what that actually looks like? What does it mean to burn something down and to rebuild it? What does it mean to you, Caprice, when we talk about that? Yeah, I'm glad you actually mentioned the 0708 um, timeframe because I uh, was leading a brokerage at that time and everything uh, the few years before we were touching was turning to gold. And then all of a sudden we opened our doors in August of 2007 and things were, were shifting and, and pivoting quite rapidly and we kind of had to get our bearings. And so um, I would say, um, just like that, there are bearings we're having to get today. There are different levels and different types of shifts. And so I think uh, when I think burn it down and what replaces it, this is just one thought. It's, it's what's going on with our mindset? What beliefs do we need to, to let sizzle and go away so that we replace it with tactics and strategy and motivation and empowerment and inspiration so that we still get it done. So that's one thing that I would say. And for some that happens more quickly than others. So we might be used to doing business one way and, and trust me, that's the way me and uh, my agents were at the time that we, we were gonna you know, conquer um, 
Salt Lake City and we're going to be the number one brokerage and we opened in 2007 our board uh, cuts in half I know everybody knows these stories but literally within four years and this is this isn't meant to be bragging but literally within four years we were the most closing brokerage and we weren't cut in half and we we replaced the thoughts of of what's going on around us with where are we going and what do we need to do and what do we need to tackle and so um, for me i'm just going to leave it at that like we need to really look at our mindset right now and make sure that the that we have empowering beliefs um, and that's what i would recommend replacing things with so that's one thought i love that because we're really getting into the concepts of growth mindset or being set right are we open to growth? Are we open to the challenge? And one thing that our industry does for us is to push in on our on our growth, our challenge. It challenges us to grow. This is where having relationships with coaching and you know leadership in your offices and brokerages can really help you ta- tackle that faster and sooner. And one thing before we skip over it too far, it's never bragging to acknowledge one's wins when you're moving through challenging times and you create success from that. That's accomplishment, and I believe we all could spend a little bit more time uh, looking at how we do accomplish and how we do win, and that empowers that growth mindset quite a bit. So, thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. I I, I wanted one last thought on that, and then I want to also hear from Mike on that. Is um, I was coaching an agent that I've known for almost my full 15 years, uh, and I do coach her now. And she said, we've been through several shifts in our market and in our area. And she, and, and there's a, a beautiful confidence for someone who's ever experienced a shift and come out on top. And the quicker you're able to say, I realize it is, there are changes in the marketplace. I'm going to lean in and figure out what the market is giving and, uh, and go there, embrace it the more we end up on top. And she's like, I've done that three to four times in my career. I know I can do it again. And sometimes that's what you need from, uh, from either inner confidence or from a coach to say, I've been there. This one doesn't look like last time and we can do it. So anyway, that's, that's my little, little thought that's on a that. Good, that's a good takeaway. So Mike, what do you think when you burn it down and what replaces it? And, and then, and then what? I agree with Capri said a lot of it has to start with the mindset. If you burn it down and you're not in the right framework of not, not in the right mindset, then uh, it doesn't matter what you try to build back. And so you have to have the right mindset, but you also have to have um, a why you have to have a purpose and identify what you're going to burn down. You know, why are you burning it down and are you burning the whole house down or are you just burning down the East wing? Um, Because some things might not need to be burned down. Some things may still work. Some things may fit the plan. Uh, but first we have to get the mindset. We have to get the purpose. We have to understand the why and where we want to go. And then we can evaluate what we want to burn down. Um, when we talk about burning things down, I feel like sometimes we take, or many times we take two steps forward and one step backwards. And the the step backwards doesn't mean that we need to burn that down and get rid of it. It means we might just have to reevaluate it, or maybe we need to give it more time so we can see the results of that. Uh, one of my coaching clients is on this call right now. She's absolutely amazing. And she realized in September of 2020 that what she had going, what she was building wasn't exactly what she needed, what she wanted. And she burned it down. I mean, she burned it down to the foundation and released every member of her team and then put certain expectations in play and said, hey, if you want to come back, these are the terms that we're going to play on. And these are the expectations that we have. And a few of them came back, a few of them didn't, but you look at where she's at right now and what she's built, um, 
not just from a production standpoint, but also from a culture standpoint, it's so much more inviting of an environment to attract other people into. And I've, I'm very confident that she'd tell you that a year and a half later after burning it down, what they've rebuilt is so much better than what it was. And there's so much more harmony in her life. But when we evaluate, like, what do we need to burn down? What are some of those things um, that we're not seeing the return on investment that we need? You know, are, are we putting $10,000 a month into Zillow and not seeing the return? Are, are, we, are we hiring the proper people that we need? Um, so evaluating what needs to be burned down, evaluating where the money is being spent, what you need to change. And it might be that your mindset needs to be burned down. You might need to refocus and reset the mindset. Um, it might be that your daily habits need to change. You know, so many times when we see people not achieving what they want, it's because they're not doing the daily activities that are going to get them to where they need to go. So it could be return on investment things that need to go. It could be people that need to go. It could be mindset that needs to shift. It could be the daily habits and what you're doing on a daily basis that need to be burned down and rebuilt. You know, the immediately coming to mind on that, and Caprice, you can chime in on this too if you want, is that I, when, when I'm hearing you talk about that, it's, it's being really clearly and truly honest with yourself and not attached to, um, for want of a better way of saying it, ego. So, so what, what are we experiencing today that when we think about burning it down, what would cause us to look at something today to burn it down? And that could be centered around most of the country having challenges with listing and inventories is really burning down this deconstructing how we go after listings, how we speak to our, our, our databases or our top 50 or how we're marketing and really looking at that saying, is our message penetrating and are we able to uh, offer support and guidance to our community? Are we being honest with how we're looking at this? And, and, and taking a hard step, your client that you're talking about that burned it down, had to restart, redid everything all over. That's brave. That takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of commitment, um, you know, and being really clear about outcomes of what you're talking about, right? What's our mission? What's our vision? What's our values? What do we stand for? Because those stay in place pretty much no matter what happens most of the time. We're still going here. We still have a value system that we're after. We're just burning down some activities, not 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 us necessarily. Does that is that resonate a little bit? Honesty. Absolutely, and I like what you said about messaging, Paul. Right, like all the media is talking about, there's no inventory out there. All the agents are talking about, there's no inventory. Here we are with hundreds of people on a webinar looking to find ways to gain listings and create inventory in their marketplace, but when we, when we carry that messaging across to the industry and to the general marketplace, if you find out that there's no toilet paper at Costco, are you going to go to Costco and shop for toilet paper? And the answer is going to be no. You're probably going to look somewhere else or you're probably going to hope that your supply from 2020 is going to hold you through. But here's the thing. If you're constantly hearing that there's no homes for sale, are you likely to put your home on the market or are you going to keep your home off the market because you feel there's nowhere to go? And, and I frequently see agents post on Facebook of, Hey, if you could get $50,000 more than you thought for your house, would you sell it? And the majority of the responses to that agent's question or poll were no, because there's nowhere to go. 
well, there's nowhere to go because that's what they're hearing in the media and they're even hearing it from the agents. But what if we change the messaging, right? So we, like before this call, I did a little bit of research to find out like what's happening in our marketplace. And we'll get to that a little bit more, but in many marketplaces, there is inventory out there. It's just that it's coming off the shelf so fast that it looks like the shelves are bare. And in my particular market, I know that two years ago, the average days on market was 69 days and now it's 34. So it's like cut in half. And so that's going to have an impact on what inventory is out there. But there's within 1%, there's as much inventory selling in my market right now as there was in 2019 before the pandemic. So I think messaging, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, um, Paul, when we start getting into like tactical things that we can do to create more inventory. But I think that messaging is really important. And I'm going to encourage us as realtors to lead the way and go out there and try to change the narrative, try to change the messaging that people are getting out there. Because for every person who thinks there's nowhere for them to go, they're holding another house off the market that could have helped somebody else move into that house. And it's just a snowball effect of creating more inventory. Yes. And if you go and take that, that, that same idea and go back and look at 2021, he said in 2021, uh, according to NAR, there were 6.1 million single family home units sold. So that meant 12.2 million sides in that transaction, right? And that is the second highest sales number of units sold in a year on record. So what you're talking about is that the messaging has not been clear because it's the second highest. So there's actually inventory there it's just moving so quickly right how do how do we see it sooner that becomes the question and this is getting into what are we, what are we going to deconstruct to reconstruct to actually see what that looks like so when we're looking at this slide here caprice did you want to add to that concept? Well, i i think I, I mike let's go just in one one of the messaging areas because we want takeaways today when someone says to you and and i don't mean to take over moderating i just want to uh, talk about this with you, Mike. When someone says, I don't know where I would go, what, what, do you, what do you say to that? Role play. Here we go. All right. I love it. Um, first off is going to be qualifying. Like, where do you want to go? You know, like, let's, de- let's take it from there's no houses for sale. I have nowhere to move. Let's play on the emotion and go to where, wh- where do you want to go? Do you want to stay in the same community? Do you want to move across town? What's important to you in that search? Like, get them, get their mind off the fact that there's no inventory out there and nowhere to go and take them to the emotional side of, of building that vision and sharing that vision of where they want to go and where they want to be. Um, for me, I frequently tell people that I've never had a client that's gone homeless. Never one time has a client gone homeless and you're not going to be the first caprice. And so we have definitive strategies set up so that you won't go homeless. And we're going to reach into our toolbox and we're going to pull out the strategy, the strategy and utilize a strategy that's going to be most beneficial for you because everybody's different. And my plan for you caprice is going to be customized to you and the needs and where you want to go and the timeline that we need to get there, but you will not move out of your house and move into our cardboard box. I can promise you that. And I've never had anybody go homeless. So move them to the emotional side of things, get them to refocus, get kind of like a redirect on that mindset and then come back to them and essentially assure them that you will find them a place. And part of that is going to be some tactics that we're going to share later in this call that are going to help you convince them that they're in a safe place and they won't be homeless. Awesome. 
You mean I can actually maybe stay in my home for a couple of months while we set this up and find something? Like just the messaging of the of strategy and tactic. And I know you said we'll get there. So thank you for letting me just uh, jump in there a little a little more, Mike. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, good feedback and thanks, Caprice, on that. So when we're thinking about changing environments, how do, how does one not get left behind? You know, when we're looking at looking at where we're going to, we're looking at changes happening today. How do you stay in front of that change? You know, what is a, a thought process or a mindset is what you were talking about earlier, Caprice, is a mindset of how do we not get left behind? We see things changing today. What's changing? Interest rates. We're starting, starting to see some inventory issues change a little bit in different parts. We're seeing more come, staying on the market a little bit longer. Um, less competition, perhaps, and the, the market being less competitive, still competitive, less competitive. So how does one begin to look at change so that you you're can you can be in front of this so one thing that i find myself doing and people that i coach is um they we are we are the front line and the pulse on the market so i am watching myself and other agents just like you guys are here for today like today mastermind like crazy what are you seeing winning the offers? What are you seeing happening? What do I need to protect against? How do I write this correctly? How do I, my mastermind groups are, are more attended and more healthy today than ever before because people want to know what, it, how do I stay right there on the front line, not just in understanding the rates and, the, and, and, and all of that. It's how do I write to win? And so that's one thing that I would say is, are we staying curious and staying in the conversation uh, that's ha that's happening, or are we backing out and letting a conversation happen in only our head about how tough it is? Uh, so that's does that make that makes sense, right? One hundred percent. You just rang a bell there because there's I, I I'm hearing you loud. We get stuck in our own head. We make up our own story, and we're not really looking at facts and discovering and exploring to push ahead to understand what our thoughts are. So that's great. Now, one thing that I don't want to be left behind is the fundamentals. I think sometimes we, I wouldn't burn down the fundamentals. Let me just be really clear about that. I would focus people in on the fundamentals, but I'm not going to burn them down. Because if we look at statistics year over year over year of how a seller finds their real estate agent, our top 60, you know, I, I let's call it 63% of sellers find their real estate agent because they have used them in the past or know them or are referred to them. So let's not burn down that fundamental of the best way that we get in front of our sellers and they choose us. So, so stay in touch with your top 50 or those concepts, right? Yes. So yes. let's not let let's not look for the next shiny thing only today. Let's focus in on the fundamental and get some tactics, additional tactics to back that up. That would be my suggestion. Okay. So that comes into our next concept here and our next place that we want to go, which is, you know, what are we inputting in? How do we track what we're doing? How do we focus on the fundamentals? And we have a great tool for that and it's daily success habits. But this is going back to the, was it David Horschrager that came up with at Leverage that talked about input equals output? And, you know, how do we how do we, you know, look at what we're putting into our businesses and look at how we're measuring what we're looking at to get a different outcome? And it and it does come back to the fundamental fundamentals. There's always shiny objects out there hanging around. And we're going to talk about a couple of those today that are very effective, as a matter of fact. 
And there is the baseline to any business and any practice, you know, of like, what, what is it that I'm doing today? And what, how much time have I actually spent on working on getting out of my head and getting into connection and getting back to the basics and fundamentals? I think this is our ongoing, ongoing conversation. And as coaches, we have this ongoing conversation uh, and in our own businesses, we have the ongoing conversation of, was my day productive and or did I did I get caught up in activities that didn't drive the needle on the health of my business? Mike, you want to talk to this a little bit? Yeah, I love that you have the the daily success habit um, pulled up for this input equals output. And I remember that conversation of, you know, David Horsager, what you know, what you put into something that, the money-making activities you put into your business, you're going to see a result from them. What you put into your mouth, you're going to see a result from that. What you put into your fitness routine, you're going to see an output with a return on that. So uh, I think that's great dialogue, but um, this daily success habit tracker is is a critical thing. And um, we use it within our team. We look at it daily in our daily huddle. Um, What's the production? What's the leaderboard of our team look like? And, uh, and then I use that during a monthly coaching session that I have with each of my agents on my team. And that really starts the coaching session, but we like to break it down, or at least I do a little bit further and say, okay, it's not that you just need to get 61 points a day because everybody's different based off of their goals. And so we start with what is your goal? Like what is your income goal for the year? And then we use the tool that Workman Success has called the income goal spreadsheet. And we just put the net in there, in there about what that agent wants to earn. We identify what is their average sales price, what's their commission rate and what's their split. And then that spreadsheet will automatically populate and tell us what we need to do in terms of a production. So if you want to achieve $75,000, you need to sell 24 homes a month. But then we can use this daily success habit to break it down and say, okay, if I need to do 24 sales in a year, then I need to have two appointments per week. And so when we can break that down, if you want to make 200,000 and you have to do 50 units or 60 units, that becomes a little bit more complex. But when you can break it down and understand that, hey, I just need three appointments per week or I need four appointments per week, then we can break down that big goal to something that's easier to obtain objective. But beyond that, if you're using the daily success habits and you're measuring everything that you're doing to generate business, now you have the ability to break down how many calls or how many conversations do I need to have in order so I can achieve an appointment. And so everybody on our team knows that based on their individual goals, they know how many conversations they have to have in a day that equals the number of appointments they need to set in a week so that they can hit their annual goal. So I love that you got this up, Paul, and I can't stress the importance of measuring what you input and knowing that based on the output that you want, the desired output, you have to put in the equal amount of activities to generate the desired result. 100%. And what, you know, what's interesting about this one, just to take this, this example here, is that if you're looking at this and you're applying it to today when we're looking at, um, uh, I guess for one a better way of saying it, there's a little bit of fear in the marketplace, right? So we're looking at how to you know, change our tactics and approaches. And looking at this, I would say here, if we lead with these being our primary numbers, meaning am I making contacts with my client base, following up on my leads, making first touches, if I drive 
with perhaps even double the number here, and we get consistent with this activity, that the rest of this follows by nature. So if I were to look at this and say buyer appointments, buyer listing appointments, if I wanted uh, to have an appointment, by nature, it tells me here, I might probably call twice as much to have two. Is that, is that how you would read this? Like, what is my input to really get what I want today? And today it may take a little bit more contacts because there's fear in the marketplace, people are hesitant. So we wanna dial up this to be able to continue to get the same results either way. Does that make sense what I just said? Like how to use this tool to really look at my input because I want something different. What I've been doing may not be working. I'm not getting the results to get me to where I wanna go. So that's gonna tell me in this, this space, do I need to have more conversations? Perhaps I need to ramp up my handwritten notes depending on where I'm getting my leads from. So when I can identify my lead sources, and we'll look at that in a moment, when I can identify that lead source, then I can, I can tweak this activity to be able to get a different result. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. And I know we're going to talk about some like specific tactics that we can deploy in our marketplace to generate more listings, but there is no golden egg that without action will develop the result that you're looking for. And so it's going to all have to start with taking action, measure that action, because if you continue to take action, and don't see the results and why would you continue to do that? But make sure you're measuring what you're doing. But the biggest, I think the biggest takeaway is that you just have to get off this call today and implement or take action on something and don't give up until you see the results that you're that you desire. Well, and measure it, record it so that you can go back and look over time what you did. You know, four weeks from now, we're not going to remember what happened on April 13th unless we have some sort of you know model of that or some sort of recognition of that, because data is what actually tells us the story, right? So this is what, when we're, when we're tracking this, the idea is that we have data to build off of. We can look back two years ago and say, this is what we were doing at the time that got us the results then. And we kept doing that until something changed and we changed or we changed and everything else got better. So leads is, is, is this a problem to get leads in our industry? Right? So when we're doing the daily success habits and we're modeling that behavior, it produces leads and leads come to us all the time. The question is, what do we do with leads? So when we start looking at these stories of how we take information to help us move forward and determine what needs to get burned down, right? So determine the activities that we need to move forward. So data tells the story and how, where we want to go, how we want to go and how soon we want to get there. You want to speak to this at all, either one of you? I think it is one of the first places we go to if I have the data to tell this story and I'm deciding where my input is going to go. Because if we're just looking, you know, I'm sure we've all had that, um, that feeling of like, well, just tell me what's going to give me the right output and I'll do it, you know, or mm -hmm. what's my guarantee or, um, and so I would just say that the clarity around the input comes from the story. So we would come here and we would look at where are my leads coming from? Uh, what, what additional input do I need to double down on this one? Uh, or do I, are, are my current um, lead sources not producing what, I, what, I, what I'm hoping? So what's really working? How do I double down? And what do I need to add to this story to get me to where I wanna be? And the, not just this picture, but some of the next that we'll look at, we would be able to separate that out by, by listing and buyer and, and really, use that that my whole point of this is 
we have to be clear on what we want to input. Clarity is power. I'm going to input on my SOI for listings with this messaging, and then I'm going to look at the data to tell me the story. Am I reaching it? So. Right. And what you actually see here, too, is that everything works on some level. So not, nothing doesn't work, but everything works on some level. The question is, is it working at the level that we would like for it to be? And so when we're looking at this tool of how we get leads in, tracking, getting conversions, what are they doing? It's telling us the sources that work that are most responsive, responsive to us and how do we move forward with that? So same thing with a transaction tracker. How is the health of our business right this very minute? Right? What are we doing now? Because this gives us indications of where we really wanna go, right? What really needs to happen next? You guys use this or probably use it in CSU now, I would imagine, right? Uh, yeah, mine, right. mine is CSU right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so CSU is the platform that now you have all your leads in it. You have uh, the transactions in there, and you can measure it. But this is a the the concept of it, which is what's going on. Do I have enough inventory to be able to market? In this particular case, I've got thirteen opportunities to help thirteen families navigate the complexities of real estate to be able to get them into properties or move them in to sell their homes. That also gives me 13 opportunities to help buyers navigate that opportunity as well, to help those families navigate into these homes. This is 26 opportunities. And what's the metric for Workman Way? It's actually more than that. What does that look like? Well, for every listing I take, I want to, I want to drive six to seven leads coming mm -hmm. from that listing, from properly marketing that. Um, and then we want to close at least one and a half. Exactly. So one and a half in addition to the 13. So in this case, we're looking at, at somewhere around an, an additional 20, 21 units coming through on this activity that gives us a way to think about how are we marketing what we're, we're marketing. Again, back to today, marketing, how are we marketing today's market when we sell a house in less than 24 hours? You, know, you put something on the market and it goes so quickly. It's like, how are we getting in front of that story, right? This helps us look at that and uh, track the activities that we're looking at. Uh, how do we come up with these projects and where, where do we put them? What do we focus on? How do we know how to grow? Agile is a tool. Both of you use Agile. Caprice, even though you're not in sales anymore, I'm sure you use some version of Agile uh, in terms of how to track projects that are gonna help you get to the next place. I do. I, I have an Agile for our Director of Marketing, for our Director of Operations and our, our ISA Director, yeah. So the answer is yes, we use it. So you have everything. And Mike, I'm sure you live by it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our business is revolving around the Agile. We actually have our leadership team uh, meet every Friday to discuss what are our top 10 in our Agile and go through each of the most important projects that we're working on and do a, re a, re a review of the sprint to make sure that we're making progress on it. Um, but that's basically putting your business plan into motion is how I look at the Agile. Well, and this is actually a place to begin the burn. When you're talking about burning down and rebuilding, you have on this Agile, for those of you who don't know, Agile is a place that we collect the mind, the mind map, the thought process of all projects that we believe can help us grow our businesses. And we organize these according to importance, looking at money-making activities and operational excellence, and we sort them accordingly, working on the top three or four most urgent that are focused on those two primary basis. We build activities around them. We build systems because our intention is to do them more, 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 and get better and better and better at them. 
And then at times we find out that after we finish project number three, project number four isn't necessarily the next thing because the market shifted or we, we go through this mindset of having to change or needing to change. And we say, oh, actually it's project number 97 that's the next thing that we need to work on. And it's something that I put at 97 maybe a year ago, but here it is, today's the day to put it into action. And so it's a place to really start your burn. It's how I look at this agile. If I'm looking at rebuilding, what has been my thought process going along? What have I been working on? What have I been thinking about and collecting? This is the, a, a great tool to come back for, to analyze and already have some launch pad to come from and not necessarily start all over. So it's not, it's, when we burn down, we still have what? A foundation, right? There's still a foundation in place. That's what this is to a certain degree. It's your foundation. Would you agree with the concept? I would absolutely like one of the one of my goals and we're not completely there right now with my director of marketing is how easily can the agents on our team tell their own story. Do they know how their their own top 50 is performing and what kind of uh, return on investment they're even getting for their second investment, we might be investing in the top 50 item they're outworking the relationship and the rapport and can we all easily see that. And so that's that's one of her top projects right now is how easily can we tell our own story around the agent's own productivity? What's happening with their SOI? When they work our open house strategy and go door knocking and hold the open house and circle prospect just, uh, just listed, can they see their own results well? And that's like literally one of our top projects. I love that. So of how to use this tool, you know, what you just said about tracking agents results so that we can tell stories around it that helps give confidence and success for everybody else on the team is it's moving that idea forward that we can all do this right so mike you had talked earlier about and and i'm picked up a little speed here because we have some things that we really want to dig into in the next couple of slides and i, I want to make sure that we have time for it but, but in our conversation mike you had a great uh sort of idea not idea you're, you're practicing it of when I was looking at the shifting market, what I found is I wanted to uh, train my agents on a higher level, right? I wanted to give them a new way of thinking. I wanted to take them up a, a, a notch or two. Do you want to talk about how you use training to actually burn down or retool to get different results with your agents to give them more skills? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, one of the takeaways I had from Leverage was when we were listening to David Horsager speak was that um, that knowledge is five times more powerful in this marketplace than online reviews. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, really? I thought like online reviews, like we wanted everybody to review us and, and talk about this testimonial of, of working with our team. But when I apply it to actually working with a buyer or seller, once you've gotten your foot in the door, I think about how important it is for you to be that real estate expert and to convey all this knowledge that they're not going to get just by surfing the internet or watching the news. And so, you know, we're constantly sharing with our team what's going on in the marketplace. What are the trends? What's going on with interest rates? Bringing our lender in and talking about what they're seeing right now versus what they're anticipating seeing in the next 90 days, taking that messaging and putting it out in the marketplace so we can get people to take action and move now rather than waiting for the market to crash. Um, 
but really trying to ramp up the knowledge that they have and, and the shifting market too, right? Like if we just did what we did two years ago, it's likely not to work next year. And so we have to, so a shout out to everybody that's on this call, right? Like people are here trying to learn, how can I do better for my team? How can I do better for myself? So a shout out for you guys for investing in yourself and taking an hour out of your day to be here. But when we sit down and look at the changing marketplace and that that inventory is moving faster, one of the things that we want to teach our team to do is how to go find off-market inventory for their mm. buyers. Um, one of the things that I saw by looking at their pipeline, their ABC board over the last 12 months was as the, inventory, as the amount of homes for sale in the market at any given time was less because it was moving so fast, we had to find other ways to feed their pipeline. And what I saw was an increasing A and B board because they couldn't find their client at home. And so we said, okay, how do we find it other than the MLS? Like everybody's looking on Zillow, Realtor.com and in the MLS, how do we find the homes that are not there? And so yeah, hold we it started- just one second, just so that we can back up for somebody who doesn't know an A and a B are your most active clients who are going to do something in the next 90-ish days, 30, to 30 days, 90-ish days. So they're very hot. They're looking for activity. And you're saying there's more people in this pipeline now so our agents are working harder to service these immediate needs at the moment, right? And there's more and more and more coming into this arena. So that's saying that there's a lot of buyers really looking to get into this market. Is that what I just heard you say in a, in, in a different yeah. way? Yeah. yeah. Every team member, their A and B board is just ballooning because they're, they're not getting them into a house yet. And, and people might be saying, well, how does that impact me? I'm here to learn about how to get listings. Well, this is one of those strategies is to start looking for the off market properties. And if your team is set up that you have buyer agents and you have listing partners and they stay in their own lane, well, we can get the buyer agents to help us find that inventory too. If they have 20 A leads and 40 B leads because their pipeline is just ballooning, we know what's out there on the market. So what if we talk to our sell, our buyers and we say, you know what, this is a partnership and trying to help you find the right house for you. And so while you're looking online at what hits the market and you're favoring properties every day, I'm going to be spending the majority of my effort trying to find a home for you that's not currently on the market. Because when I do, then we're not going to be in a competitive offer situation. More contingencies will probably float through that offer process. We're not going to have the price bid up as high. And so looking for that off-market inventory for buyers that you already have. It's not like, hey, let's go try to find a listing and then put it on the market. It's, hey, I've already got a buyer who's going to buy this type of a house. Let me spend my time on going out there and finding that house for them. And when we talked about leads earlier on, I believe that most people probably have too many leads. They have too many opportunities and that they, the natural mindset of a salesperson is to go really wide and, and circle as many opportunities as you can. When in reality, we got to go really deep. We got to narrow the focus and go really deep and build that relationship. But instead of spending time qualifying new buyer leads and going through LP mama and, and setting them up on searches, how about we get more intentional with the leads that we have and we actually go out there and we create the inventory for them find the off-market inventory that nobody else is dabbling in because you already have a buyer for it. And a lot of times it's going to lead to essentially what might end up being a double-ended transaction. You go out there and find the seller and then you've already got the buyer. So if you looked at that too, just from your own space of data to go off-market. And so we have our sphere of influence that's sitting out there that we communicate with and we have programs that we touch them with. 
And, and let's say for an example that you had 500 people in your sphere of influence. And in that area that you're in, that your turnover rate is about every seven years in your area that you're working. If you looked at your own sphere of influence, would that qualify that there in conversations that we may or may not be having, having there's about 70 opportunities right there that could be listings or sales just by digging into our own database and say, hey, it's been a while. You know, how is, is, is the home that you're in, is this your forever home? I've been thinking about you. We're in this unprecedented market where price points are just off the charts great. It's highest that we've seen in, in years. Is, is this the time for you to consider capitalizing on this equity that you've created to really move it into your forever home or your next home? that may be of a better choice for you. So that concept of even looking the off market may be right under our own noses and we're not having that conversation. This is, in my opinion, why you know important to really train our agents, to you know train them to stay in touch with this database because it's lucrative. And then there's the other world at large that is uh, other ways to go after off market properties besides that. Is there any other way that you can think of, of pursuing off market properties? Yeah, so I think that it's a great segue, Paul, for me to answer that question, but also share with you some information that I learned um, when I when I look at my top teams that list the most inventory, the, the coaching clients that I have, um, I looked at the top four listing teams that I coach, and I went back through and I said, okay, where did their business come from over the last 12 months? And what I'll share with you, and, and these teams combined literally list hundreds of homes every year is that a combination of sphere of influence top 50 and their past clients for every single one of those teams was their number one lead source and it ranged from a low of 25 percent of their total listings that sold to a high of 70 percent of their total listings that sold and the average was that it represented about 40 percent of the business for each of these top four producing teams and so while we talk about new strategies to find off-market inventory, we can't forget that top 50 sphere of influence in our past clients that um, will be one source of off-market inventory. Um, another source is going to be expired listings. And, and I know that a lot of people on this call might say, hey, in this crazy hot market, there's nothing expiring. I would challenge you to go look at your MLS and see how many properties have expired since the first of the year. That is real opportunity. And what I'll tell you is I looked this morning in my MLS and there was 831 expired listings since the first, in, in the first quarter. And in the county that I work in alone, there was 219. Like that's, that's real opportunity there. Um, right now, a lot of people think it's a hot seller's market, so maybe I should go FISBO. Well, 85% of FISBOs do end up listing with a realtor. And so FISBOs, while they might have a sign in the yard, they're still, in my opinion, off-market inventory because the masses of people are not seeing them. If you are a buyer's agent and you have all these buyers, or if you're a listing partner, then pull your buyers in terms of your buyer agents, what are your buyers looking for? And then go into those neighborhoods and start circle prospecting around the neighborhood that fits the bulk of the people that you're looking for. Circle prospecting can be huge. Um, we just had a closing where one of our buyer agents had a client that was looking for a house 
or potentially a lot to build on, couldn't find the house, decided to go the build direction. So our buyer's agent started circle prospecting, found a buildable parcel of land for this guy to build his dream house on and represented him through that sale. And that was $195,000 lot purchase. So he was circle prospecting, finally found a seller that was willing to entertain an offer, brought the two of them together, and they just closed on that lot sale. It w- but it goes deeper than that lot sale. So that person who just bought the lot, were going to sell his house and his house is worth about $250,000. He's then going to build on that lot he just bought and we're going to have a building contract with him. It's probably going to be the tune of about $700,000 house he's going to build. Well, the seller that we found is now looking to relocate. And so now we're helping him find a house in a different market. And so by circle prospecting, he found one seller that would sell to the buyer he already had, and it's going to work out to be four or five pieces of business in excess of 1.5 million. That so, goes in, right to just a second. I want to interrupt you for your thoughts for a second, because that goes to address what we talked about earlier, which is 100%. Don't give up on the fundamentals, right? And these are very fundamental things that to a certain degree, uh, many are thinking these aren't even possible. There's no expired listings. Why would a circle prospect? There's not enough time to generate anything from it because things are moving fast. Capri said it is the stories in our head. And the reason that we're here talking about this today is that we're finding results in so many different ways by focusing on fundamentals. There's some new shiny things, but focusing on the fundamentals of how to uh, re-look at it, re-educate ourselves, recommit to the activities and the thought process and the scripts that we may have to change or elevate our mindset around to be able to get a different result. That's really what it comes down to. So I, I love it. I'm sorry to interrupt, Mike, but I just didn't want that part to escape of of uh, fundamentals is what you've just been talking about and daily practice almost, and it's producing a great result for you. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to say? I rudely interrupt you. I apologize for that. No, it's just, you know, going back to the kind of the off-market inventory, that's that's one of our big big pushes right now. And, and we shared a couple of techniques on where you can go find that. But when I look at what are some of my coaching clients doing with, a, with success around the country, you know, we just have to be creative in manufacturing that inventory. Um, I talked to a friend of mine out in Utah who bought a mobile home park and he's expanding that and adding 19 more units to that mobile home park. So he's created 19 more housing units for that marketplace that are going to be snatched up really quick. Um, I talked to a friend of mine out in Idaho who is buying raw land and doing developments and at first just started selling lots. Well, now he's partnering with builders to actually sell homes. So now he's generating revenue, not just off the lot sale, but also the home sale. And, and you don't have to jump in and, and be a developer with $10 million to go do this. You can do it on a much smaller scale, even if it means taking one lot and subdividing one lot. Um, I look at my business coach and what he's doing. He's creating inventory in his market by buying lots and then putting spec homes up. And he was able to partner with a builder so that he can still make forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars per home sale by creating the inventory. So we just have to get creative and find ways to create the inventory because the demand is there. Yeah, I hear your coach is a slacker, but you know he, he's okay. <laughs> so just 
Just saying. Hey, uh, I think those are great ideas. And I love just funneling down into that and just not taking anything for granted. You know, one of the things to not take for granted is what Caprice has been working on, too, which is, you know, take something that we do all the time, maybe not burn it down, but let's take it down a little bit. Let's rebuild it. Let's look at how we do these activities to get the best results. Uh, Caprice, you want to talk about your open house schedule for your team and what that really looks like and and how you leverage this? You bet. I know that there are, are different things in our markets that dictate when we can do certain things and what we can do. So please keep that in mind. I know some of you can do coming soon, uh, much, you know, much earlier uh, as well. So uh, on Monday in our team meeting, we go ahead and we do open house assignments on any listings that are ready to go. Um, and by Wednesday, uh, our marketing team is uh, creating the door knocking flyers so that those are ready. Thursday, our property goes up and the agents do go out door knocking around that property. On Friday, um, we our agents are doing the circle prospecting uh, in the neighborhood to the just listed. Our marketing department's putting out Facebook events and on, and on Facebook Marketplace and, and another local um, thing called KSL. And then on Saturday, we're holding the open house and we're generally having uh, two to three agents per, per home just because of how it's been, uh, you know, the number of groups that have been showing up. Um, Monday, we're doing offer review and reporting on leads to the team and how that all went. And by, you know, generally Tuesday, Wednesday, we're under contract. Um, and so I'll just um, highlight that this is one way I might make, I'm sure a lot of people are doing this. So to me, when I was telling, you know, Paul and Mike about this, they're like, no, we really should share this because it is, it is creating results. And so now I'm going to share that a little bit with you. I think I just take, kind of take it for granted, but this is what input looks like. We're so clear on what input looks like and the output we want from properly marketing this home that I just took a sample from my uh, group. So let's go to the next one if we can. So I had three agents. Um, working the uh, this particular home uh, open house. Um, and this is just a sample of, of what the ad looks like, their door knocking flyers and um, and how it's all put together. Um, and then if we want to go to the next slide, I'll show you some of the output that came from that. Um, so it was kind of fun on your most uh, on my left side where you see the WhatsApp uh, picture. Um, these three agents, I had agents out in another area and then I had these three agents and on WhatsApp, which is a way that we, it's just like our own little uh, text messaging. Uh, these, all these, all of these three agents that you see there um, pictured um, started real estate within the last four months. Wow. Um, and so they're challenging their mentors because they all have mentors. So they said the fresh new agents versus the season, uh, seasoned reps today. Let's see what you guys can do or something like that. And then they, they have just a little bit of fun. Well, um, that those three uh, did door knocking of 71 doors, had 25 conversations and created six leads. Um, Circle prospecting resulted, only one agent did it that day and resulted in eight conversations, no leads. And then from the actual open house, we got another three leads. And um, uh, there was one buy, sell, and the rest were buyer leads. So I just so want to be really- getting leads. Yeah, you're getting leads from your open house strategy because you're actually implementing some tool to say, let's measure this and see what results we get so that we know what's working, not working. When you, I was just watching Mike's face because when you did the seasoned agents versus the newer agent competition, I could already see 
Mike was about ready to jump to the screen, like nobody's going to outsell me. That's the first thing, right? So, so it creates a lot of fun and excitement to get some energy up around these ideas. But 100% Caprice, this is why it's important. I don't have enough time. There's no, everybody comes to the open house with uh, a, a, an agent with them. There's all of these, well, let's call them excuses, right, of, of why not, as opposed to what's possible. And what you created here is a platform, you know, if we just move back to it, if this is the platform that creates the what's possible, right? Let's look at this and let's see what happens. Follow a program, let's measure it specifically. Uh, 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 Mike's uh, agent one time, you know, talked about, you know, do this this way, do it 50 times, follow it and say it the same way 50 times over so that you can see if there's going to be a result. If we change it every time we do it, we won't have enough time to measure an outcome. The input changes so much, there's no output. And uh, so, you know, you get design something, run with this for six months, right? See how it goes and see if we can get different results from it. So uh, we have just a couple of minutes and I know every time everybody's time is super valuable, but this is a, a focus on the use of time and results, right? We covered this a little bit of belief and processes and systems. Now that that's we we've seen this shown up through this slide deck a couple of different times here, and it's to really uh, you know find out address your belief system, open it up. In my opinion, if what we've been talking about today, burn that down. Look at your belief system and say what can be different about how I think about what my business opportunities are. Let me create a process around new ideas so that I can know that I'm doing something different and how to move forward and create systems so that I can track it and measure it. Those are all of the things that we worked for. We've got just a couple of minutes. Can we share some stories right now about some new things? I mean, one thing I can throw on the table real quick, we forget about this. It's one of those old, old, old techniques. When you're prospecting out there with new clients or, or your, your clients that you're talking to, ask them about commercial opportunities. Many of them own businesses. Are they sick of their businesses? Is it time for them to get rid of it? Are they tired of making pizza? Is it time to sell that real estate? Turn that over to a qualified commercial agent if it's not you. And having those bilateral conversations there to dig deeper really create some great results. Does anybody, Mike, Caprice, you have something else you want to share about some new ideas? We did off-market. Um yeah. Well, anyone who is at Leverage probably heard Jeff talk about the fact, uh, and I like to give credit where credit's due, that's why he's up here, is Jeff uh, talked about creating a half a billion dollars uh, in, in, uh, from going and sending messages to the buyer's agents um, who now have sellers living in homes and saying, would you go back? I hope I'm properly explaining this. Would you go back to your client who now owns the home and see if there's any interest in selling it because I have buyers for this area. So it goes back to uh, Mike's off-market matchmaking. Um, when we are matchmakers, I, I, I used to coach some commercial agents and even their software was created so that they would be matchmakers. I think we need to lean into the matchmaking. Um, uh, uh, to Mike's point, I looked up expired yesterday. Last 90 days, I had 189. When I was coaching my agent, she said, man, anything under 500, what we pulled up was a bunch of under 500, 499, 450. And she's like, I'm going to go and approach it and create a match here out of 189. Um, 
And then I have another agent who took Jeff's idea and he's like, I'm sending them the houses that sold in the last so many times saying, which ones are you interested? So I know which, which agents to approach. And so he's just reversing that a little bit because he wants a, a, a buyer to really go with a buyer who, who has looked at the house and put a, um, put a, their hands on it. Um, I, let's see, I, um, we're doing good news CMA. Hey, good news. Do you know what your home is worth? It's back, you know, back to some mention, uh, uh, we're talking about how um, there are also um, in our messaging, how there are even mortgage companies who are helping with the funding of the new purchase even before the old sell. So I'm sure we could go into messaging quite a bit. We're knocking NODs. We're, uh, anyway, those are just a couple of, of other things that, that we're doing. You know, and you go back to this Jeff Babak thing, there was a, a, one of the agents went to leverage, heard this, went home and employed what Jeff did. He went back to agents that had sold properties or the selling agents from five years ago, talked to them and said, hey, would your client be interested in selling? He will be closing an escrow from that search, from that request. He put somebody into a transaction, $575,000 sale in Virginia that's going to be closing next week. It happens that fast. He got two other leads from that same process. Just by thinking differently, let me collaborate with agents who have access to their clients. I can get more leverage and gain to make way. And that agent builds a lot of respect, a lot of clout in their community by cooperating, right? As opposed to going and taking. Um, guys, we're out of time. And I really hate this. We could go on this for another hour and a half. Uh, Mike and Caprice, thank you for jumping in and just being here today. Your, your value is so incredibly high. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the opportunity. If you guys want to sit down and talk to Workman for a strategy call, anybody on here who's not coached right now, reach out to that number there. Get your business analyst on board so that you can figure out if coaching is right for you. We have a role play call coming up Thursday. Uh, it is at 11 or 10, 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Thursday. There's going to be a new format rolled out on May 12th. We want all of your team members on that call uh, so that you're you're there. Seven figure ride along is happening in next week, I believe. It's too this full, it's packed. That's where you get to look inside of Christy Buck's office and team and be in Texas. The next one is September the 11th through the 13th. If you want to get the downloads of what we talked about today, it's right here. And don't forget to mark your calendars for May 11th. We're doing falling up how to turn failure into massive success. I think we all have a lot of conversation on that. I think that's an eight-hour webinar, if I'm not mistaken. But it's going to be a dynamic and fun one where we really talk about how we take our, our failures and turn them into success. I'm Paul Sessom. I thank you guys very much for being here. We appreciate you. You go have a productive day. Happy Easter to those of you who celebrate. Be safe out there in whatever it is that you do. And enjoy your mindset change to create something more, better, and different from what you have now. Happy sales. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.